Welcome to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. On today's episode, Tracy and Shelley talk about their favorite Black authors and their favorite books written by Black authors. They'll talk about books from the past to the present, straightforward to lyrical prose, and multiple types of poetry. So stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Stacks and Stories. And today we're going to be doing a Black Authors Roundup. We're going to be discussing books by Black authors. And my name is Shelley, and I'm here with Tracy. Hello. Hello. And we're going to be discussing some of our favorite books by Black authors. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear what's on your list. I can't wait to hear what's on your list. What I like about um, our our episodes together is we never talk about them ahead of time. No, because um, when we do, we end up using all the, like some really good content. We use it up on ourselves. What a waste. Um, The world is just being denied our (laughs) insights to books. So we just, we just don't talk. The only thing is like, how many are you doing? And that's about it. I know there's been times when we've been like talking on the phone or talking on Zoom and we'll we'll start kind of having a conversation. We'll be like, oh, we've got to save that. Yeah, that, that's great <laughs> content. That's good. Let's save it for our uh, four subscribers. Or No, we yeah. have more than four. Yeah. We have more than four. We have five. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, what you got first? Okay. So um, most of mine are new books that I've read lately. The first book I'm going to talk about um, I read last month. It's called In Every Mirror, She's Black by Lola Akimati Okerstrom. And I love this book. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Gave it five stars on Goodreads. Mm. If I could have given it more, I would have. That, that is significant. I know. One we day. just got this book, too. So let me just tell you a little bit about this book without giving too much away. Basically, this book is about three women, and they are really trying to escape themselves. Just like all of us, they all have good and bad qualities and things that um, sort of could bring them down. There's a common factor that brings them all together. So the first woman, uh, her name is Kimmy, and she is a marketing executive. And she gets lured to work in Sweden by Yanni von London. Mm, I love that name. Yanni. Yanni von London. Yanni is Swedish, and he's also um, described as being very attractive. Mm. And he is CEO of the nation's largest marketing firm. So Kimmy has a wonderful career, but a horrible love life. So that's kind of Kimmy in a nutshell. Then we have flight attendant Brittany. She also goes by Brittany Ray. And she has a chance meeting with Yanni on um, a first-class flight. And Yanni becomes very enamored with her. And so begins that story. Mm. So it's all coming down to Yanni von London. There's a common denominator here. Okay. 
Then we have a refugee, and her name is Muna. And she's living in Sweden, and she gets a job as a janitor at Yanni's company. I knew it. But Muna, who I will say is my favorite, she's just looking for a place to call home. She lost all of her family, and she's just trying to reclaim a new life. The story is told by all three women Ooh, in I like alternating that. chapters. I, I, that is one of my favorite I love that. things. I love that. Um, and it is interwoven. The way I read it and the way the book felt for me is the focus is what it's like to be a black woman in very different circumstances in a white-dominated world. And I will say that the ending of this book stunned me in a good way for me. However, it angered a lot of readers. So there's a twist or just just the direction no, it goes? No, I wouldn't say it's a twist. Okay, It's just the way it ends is not the way that readers often like books to end okay with a tidy little bow yeah and so maybe uh, some questions or things lots, are left dangling lots okay and you know what that does make people mad sometimes people. it makes me mad but sometimes some other times i'm like well that that allows me to imagine i like that next. that yeah. is actually one of my favorite ways for books to end um, because I can ponder and think, well, maybe this is going to happen or this is going to happen. There was one review on Goodreads. There was um, a reader that was so angry, she threatened to post about what the actual ending was. Oh, she was so no. mad. She was going to spoil it for everyone she because she was mad? Yeah, she was so angry. One more thing I want to say about this book, I don't want to keep going on because I could, I just loved it that much, but there is a, a lot of talk about white privilege mm -hmm. in this book because Yanni is white and he's very well off. He's a white male, uh, super attractive, has a lot of privilege. Yeah. And there's a quote that really hit me and I'd like to read that. Okay. Okay. And it says... Privilege comes in levels, Brit, he continued. You have the privilege he has given you, but you will never have the privilege he has just because he breathes. It stopped, I mean, I, it's, it's, I stopped reading and I had to really think about that because even if you are a person of color and you have lots of money, it is true that you often will not have the privilege of a white man who just exists. Yeah, I think that's that's a part of privilege is that you didn't have to try. You didn't have to do anything. You just showed for up, it. right? Yeah. This is a debut novel, and one of the many things that's amazing about it is that the author wrote this book. And it's a compelling story, but it's also a social commentary. Mm -hmm. So I cannot recommend it enough. Well, it's on my list. I was intrigued by your 
um, effusive reaction when I saw your your you know your the five stars, uh-huh. um, but hearing about it, um, I think I picked it up. Well, I I do hope you read it. I I think you will really get a lot from it. Okay, I do. Yeah. What do you have? Well, the the first one on my list is a an autobiography. And I've probably talked about it before, but it's Coming of Age in Mississippi by Ann Moody. I did not know about this book until, I don't know, maybe five years ago. It was published in 1968, and Ann Moody was born in 1940 in Wilkinson County. Um, She grew up in Centerville. The reason I'm so jazzed about this book originally, like before I actually read it, it, my parents were born in the 40s in Wilkinson County in Centerville. So of course you're compa- you're drawn yeah. to this book. Um, yeah. But as Ann Moody was extremely poor and black, her situation was wildly different. She and my dad grew up maybe two blocks away from each other, and they might as well have been on different planets. So reading this book was absolutely it. it uh, well, my son is reading it now. And he's been playing the audiobook while he reads the print book. And so uh-huh. I've been listening to it. And he thought it was from 200 years ago. Like wow. the level of poverty is she doesn't have electricity. Uh-huh. You know, they're always hungry. There's some beans on the, you know, beans are big. That, that Basically, they eat a lot of beans. Um, beans are cheap. Beans are cheap. But she doesn't even get to eat enough beans. So to imagine her at 10 years old and then imagining my dad two blocks over at five years old again it's it was uh it was crazy to me that they were existing in the exact same space and what does it say that your son thinks it was written so many years ago yeah he was like well was she a slave because that's like like that's the level of poverty that she was living in i was like no she uh she and papa are about the same age yeah so in this book, there are two sections. Um, the childhood section is, it, it's really my favorite part. She was born, her name was Essie May. And when she was about to, I think, either graduate from high school or enter high school, for some reason she needed a birth certificate, like to do something. And she had never gotten one. So when they applied for one, they put her name wrong on the birth certificate and they put Annie May. And Ann Moody was like, cool. Essie May was kind of a drag anyway. Uh, my name is now Ann. Right. Um, so, again, she grows up in this horrible poverty, and she starts cleaning houses um, for white people in Centerville. And I, I won't lie, when I read this, I was terrified, of course, that, like, what is she going to are my is my family That's going to be I featured in this say, book? Like, is she going to end up cleaning homes for your family? And if so, are they going to be the the nicer of the white or people the or the horrible ones? People. Well, she didn't clean my parent my family's house. I'm um, so glad. Like they might they might have been white, but we weren't at the um, <laughs> like you were paying someone the, to clean the house level. That upper echelon, right? But what was really interesting to me, I, I, I grew up in Dallas. My parents are from here, but I grew up in Dallas. I've never lived in Centerville, but I knew a lot of the people that she's talking about. And I figured out her code. And I think I've talked about this on another episode, but 
if people are nice, she used their real name. And if they were horrible, she gave them a fake name. That's actually really smart. It is really smart. And, but there's enough detail where she would say, oh, the people who own the furniture store. Okay, look, it was 70 years ago. I know who owns the furniture store. The, The chapter that really blows my hair back, if that's an expression, is when she learns about the murder of Emmett Till. And they were the same age. And she had no idea about such things. And the world changed for her in that moment. When she realized that, like, you know, she she understood that a lot of white people didn't like black people. But that was the first, like, oh, wait, they will literally just murder us for no she reason? She knew to what level. Right. How bad it was. Um, so it's, um, so anyway, so the childhood portion as she comes to that understanding and like it's just written really well it's a really compelling story um the second half is about her work with the civil rights movement i'm sure you've seen that photo of the woolworth sit-in with Mm -hmm. the there's a like a black teenager and a um, a white teenager and people are uh, pouring salt and mustard on them Mm -hmm. that's ann moody so i don't think i knew that. yeah at the jackson woolworth that is that's ann moody so in the book like, you see that photo, and then you, you read about how it was. Anyway, uh, it's an amazing book, and I love talking about it. And, and again, I, I, I know that a big reason that I'm so jazzed about it is because I know where she's talking about. Mm-hmm. There is now an Anne Moody Street in Centerville. A few years ago, they uh, changed the name. I don't know what street it was, but it, it's now Anne Moody Street. And we went down for the ceremony. It was, you know, very exciting. So, Isn't but, there some big sign down there also, uh, like, Ann Moody is from here or something like that? I, you know, Am I, I making know. that up? Um, maybe there, maybe there's a writer's trail marker. Yeah, I, but, yeah uh, that's what I'm thinking of. I, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, but the, the street unveiling, I did go to that. So, anyway, it's, it's an all-time favorite. Another book that I am currently reading is Black Cake. You talked about this. I did in my in, last last in month. month. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I got several things to say off <laughs> as usual. One one thing. Okay. First of all, it came out. Uh, it's published on February first. Okay. I originally had an advanced reader's copy of this book. And one of the things I did not tell you was one of the reasons I didn't read the book was because an author described it as something to the effect of beautiful, lyrical oh, writing. The, the, the word that ends all reading. And I was like, sounds like a good story. Not going to read it. I don't like anything lyrical. I just I, Here's the thing. I think you, you might, but the word lyrical it's, is what you really hate. It's, um, it's a trigger for yeah, me. It's yeah. a trigger. I started listening, I don't know why, uh, to the audio version of Black Cake. And this book is not lyrical. <laughs> and if it, if how it, dare you? I know. I mean, if it is, then 
I must like lyrical. So that's what I'm thinking. I, th- I, I think you're open <laughs> to lyrical, but just not the word lyrical. I have to change my tune here. Um, it is by Charmaine Wilkerson, and it is also a debut novel. So the book is about um, a brother and sister, and they're dealing with their mother who has just died. And the brother and sister have been estranged. Byron and Benny, that's the brother and sister. I love that, Byron and Benny, so cute. One of the things that their mother wants them to do is listen to this recording. The recording is essentially the book. And she wants to share with them some information about her life. Turns out, and again, I, I, this is a book where I can't give too much information. It turns out that they didn't know their mother at all. So the whole book is about her finally coming forward and telling them that they, one, have a sister they didn't know about. Mm. And... It's funny because they'll they'll start and stop this this recording, and uh, because Byron and Benny will get upset and they'll leave the room, and they'll be like, oh, it's, I can't listen anymore. I can't I can't do it, and um, it's it's just very realistic of what it must be like to start hearing something about your deceased parent that you never knew. Um, but it turns out that the story of this person they never heard about is actually their mother. And then the black, it's called black cake because the black cake is a special Caribbean cake that it's like a, it's like a plum pudding type cake that is um, made for special occasions like weddings. And it's passed down from generation to generation. And um, it's talked about a lot a lot and there's a lot of variations on it one thing i don't like so far i'm about two-thirds of the way through this book one thing i don't like about this book is that at least in the audio version it might be easier when you're reading the print copy but there's a lot of skipping around in time and i don't usually mind that but it's to the point where it's confusing like it skips around and then it doesn't really tell you where it has skipped to. And you just kind of have to figure it out. That's not my favorite thing about it. But it is very well written. It may even be lyrical. I don't know. I mean, apparently someone said it was lyrical. <laughs> but um, I am really, really enjoying it. Now, is she a debut author as yes. well? Yes, this is a debut novel. Yes. That's really all I really want to say about Black Okay, Cake. yeah. I, w- I was getting nervous that you were going to reveal too much. No, I, 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 I do want, plan I don't on reading say this. anything else. Um, it just came out a few days ago. It was one that, it's just so funny because I was so resistant. You know, I, I've, I've had the arc for six months, and I'm hmm. like, hmm, hmm, lyrical. No. And then, um, like and I then thought, it won you over with its lyrical beauty. Well, then beauty. I thought, well, I can at least try the audiobook. You know, that'll be easy. And then, and then, an hour went by, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. We've talked about doing a another episode about our reading preferences, but 
um, and we can talk about it more then, but when I listen to an audiobook, I don't like lyrical. I don't like beautiful language being read to me. I like a book, like a plot-driven book to listen to usually. It's funny you say that because I will have another book in a minute to talk to you about that's very... That's very plot-driven? No, it's very lyrical. Oh, and I think you're turning over a new lyrical I leaf. listened to it and fell in love and was so enchanted. And then I read the print and enjoyed the print, but the audio was so good. Hmm. Extremely lyrical. Well, this, I is, think, this is the year of your lyrical reading, I know, apparently. I don't like it because it's always been part of me, like... You it's know. good to like grow and change. <clears throat> you don't have to use the word lyrical, but yeah. I mean, enjoying pretty language. Is, As I've you know. learned on the recent um, new version of Sex in the City, people can change. Miranda has changed. Yes. So I can change. So that's all I'm saying about Black Cake. Okay. Well, again, I would like to read that. Another book I want to talk about, we talked about it two episodes, no, last episode. It's on my list of a, a book I want to reread this year, uh, which is Song of Solomon by oh, yeah. Toni Morrison. That's one I've not read. I took this class my last semester of college, at, and it was like women, no, modern women novelists. And I got the syllabus, um, or I got the reading list. Uh, before class started and I read everything because I had nothing else to do I worked at a luggage store and um, people don't really buy luggage yeah store so you just kind of stand there and um, read a book surreptitiously um, you know anyway so I read Sula was on the list and then class started and the professor had decided oh no we're gonna read you know it was all a different a different list anyway so I eagerly was, I mean, I liked Sula, but when I started reading Song of Solomon, it just, it, it just really hit me as like, oh no, this is the book, this, this is the book. But I haven't read it since, and I, I remember very little of it. So last night I was looking for my copy of it, which is a, a terrible paperback. Like it, and I, I bought it at a used bookstore, and it, it has Sula, Tar Baby, and Song of Solomon in it. Mm-hmm. So it's like this gigantic paperback. It's five dollars. I still stand behind that. Oh, that's a good deal. Yeah, it kind of oh, was. Yes. But it's like Book of the Month Club or yeah. like Paperback Classics yeah. or something like that. And it probably doesn't have a great cover. It has a not a great, great cover, but I couldn't find it, and I was like, what? what? Anyway, it was in the special book case. Oh. Well, where only the special books go. So, anyway, so I haven't read it since, and I was flipping through to see like, what is this book even about? It's about a guy named Milkman. Um, his name is Macon Dead. His father's name is also Macon Dead, and so Macon Dead the Third is Milkman, and that's who the the book is um, is really about. But I found a a note that I had written. Apparently, I wrote a paper in the uh, fall of 1995, my last semester of college, about food references in Song of Solomon, and there there were um, lots. There's lots of fruit in it. People are always eating peaches and sucking on peach pits. There's some um, love potions um, with some, I, it was like this gray greenish stuff someone put in someone's food. There's a pregnant woman who um, munches on cornstarch because she has, I guess she has pica, I think that's what it's called when you uh-huh. want to eat dirt. Yeah. And yeah. anyway, so I had, because 
this is how I've always written papers. You make a list of all the references and you kind of, you know. So as it said, like page 121, I'd go read that little portion about the peach and page 220, okay, here's this what's going on. And, and it sort of reminded me. Um, but even reading those like, you know, a couple of pages here and there, I am definitely rereading this again. It, it just inhabits this world that is familiar and yet completely alien at the same time. Mm -hmm. One of the characters, um, Pilot, she does not have a navel. And I can't remember why, and I can't remember the situation, but now I'm like, why Why doesn't she have a navel again? And the when she discovers that she's, it's weird that she doesn't have one. She had recently laid down with a man, and the man told everyone like, that girl, something wrong with her because she does not have a, a navel. And so all these women, she's a migrant um, farmer. Mm -hmm. Again, picking fruit, lots of fruit in yeah, this book. The They're like, um, hey, can you can you show me, can I see your stomach? Um, and all the women are like, okay. They think that she is um, of the devil or something because yeah, she is not natural. Yeah. Like, um, it's like the mark. Right. Yeah. But Pilot is like, well, her brother had one, but he also has other stuff that she doesn't have, right? So she thought it was like uh, men have navels because they also have other equipment uh, and women don't. And she had never seen another woman's stomach. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I can't wait to get to the bottom of this and delve into it more. So anyway, I also, as I was um, flipping through, I read all the embarrassing notes I'd taken. And also not that this has anything to do with this book at all but I found a grocery list that I'd made would you like to hear it I would yes please I was I was hoping you would we, you would tell us okay milk bread egos cinnamon rolls Pepsi Pepsi I know I used to be a Pepsi drinker Ooh. frozen pizza budget gourmet budget gourmet. there was one what, what it, is, it was there was a three cheese yeah it's a yeah. three cheese lasagna yeah. that i was very fond of mm -hmm. and then check on popcorn question mark i just needed to Maybe see if you i were looking for a certain brand i think i needed to check my um pantry to oh, see if see i if needed popcorn I'm glad to see. I love finding lists like that. That i um i i endorse all, except the pepsi you know i i still I think I buy milk, bread, and Eggos every every week. I had Eggos this morning. I'm an I'm an Eggo eater. Yeah, I see Eggos as a kid, but I haven't eaten them in a long time. But you know, Pepsi and RC Cola. Do you, mm. Have you guys heard of RC Cola? Of course. Those were really big in Indiana. Hmm. I don't know if they still are, but we didn't drink a lot of Coca Cola products, but we drank a lot of Pepsi and RC. I think my uh, my mom is a Pepsi drinker. That's well, um, Eggos, cinnamon rolls, frozen yeah, pizza, and lasagna, a, and popcorn. I'm I'm just going to, you know. No, there's no protein there. <laughs> Maybe there was a meat product on that pizza. When you're young, you're like, you know, give me all the crap. Yeah. You know. So I'll, I'll have to, I, 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 feel, um, I feel confident that my rereading will reveal that I still love this book. I've never read it. I've never read wanted to read it this never sounded good to me hmm. i'm not i'm not dogging yeah. your book but is this something that you think i would enjoy i don't know 
I don't remember what happens. Okay. <laughs> well, that's true. I'll that's have a good to point. I'll have to report back. Maybe you need to read it and then tell me if you think. I will say me that. Me with my new lyrical. Right. You know, I don't think it's lyrical. Stand. I don't okay. think it's going to be lyrical. Okay. And I know that it's not. It is not like Beloved. If you've, it, it's I've, not, it's I not. I have read Beloved. It, no. but I, of course, I liked Beloved, but I love Song of Solomon. I think there's okay. more like light in in Song okay. of Solomon. I'm not a fan of Beloved. No, not. it's hard to be a fan of Beloved. You, mm-hmm. I mean, you can recognize that some, something is wonderful and yet you don't have to like it. Yeah. You know? That's true. That's true. Okay, well, my next book is called All Her Little Secrets by Wanda M. Morris. It came out in November of 2021. Again, debut novel. It is a legal thriller told from the point of view of a black woman working in a law firm in Atlanta that is typically 99% all white. What I really liked about it is that the author is herself a corporate attorney and she has another book coming out in 2022 set in Mississippi and it's going to be set in 1964 Mississippi. Hmm. So will it be a legal thriller? I don't know but I like this book so much that I'm excited about her next book. Um, But let me tell you about this book, All Her Little Secrets. I'm not ashamed to say that I was drawn to this book because of the cover. The cover is a woman's face, and she's got these really, like it's like a close-up, and she's got these really round glasses, and then it's like a red background, and that, that, and that is it. And I saw it and I thought, I wanna know more about this woman. And, and then the title, All Her Little Secrets, sounded really cool. The premise, this gives nothing away because it happens right away, is, uh, oh no, I've been framed for killing my married white boyfriend. <laughs> and she, she's, she's black. Mm-hmm. And so she's running around trying to not get in trouble and she's trying to make it look like that she wasn't there when her, when her boyfriend, who's also, also works in this law firm, was killed. So you have that. You have the, the thriller component. But then along the way, you have the social commentary of how this law firm treats her as the token black attorney. But you also have a dual timeline, Hmm. also wonderful, where you find out her background. She grew up very poor in Georgia, and the author is also from Georgia, and you find out how she came to be as successful as she is, which is a story in itself, a story of survival. So you have that back and forth narrative with the legal thriller. I sort of hope that the author turns this into a 
a series, but it I don't know. It doesn't look like it when her next book is set in Mississippi in, in the 1960s. And when did this come out? Um, this book came out in November of 2021, and it's called All Her Little Secrets. It's really, really good. It sounds um, good. It's like, I don't like... I hate using John Grisham's name. He's like who comes to mind with legal thriller. It's like a diverse, smart version of a John Grisham book. And look, there's listen. There's nothing wrong with writing books about white people. About white people writing white books. That's 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 the thing. It's fine. It is fine, but it would be nice to see books about you know. All the other millions of people that live in the world. Right. Right. That's all I'm saying. Yes. So. Well, speaking of the millions of people, that was my segue. Oh, good. One of my favorite books, I haven't reread it, uh, but maybe I need to, is uh, The Warmth of Other Suns, The Epic Story of America's Great Migration by Isabel Wilkerson. Now, I am not usually one a person that's like, oh, here's a nonfiction book. It's my favorite. But The Warmth of Other Suns is really, it's masterfully done. I read that she interviewed over a thousand people for this book. It won the National Book Critics Circle Award in 2010. But, you know, it's about the Great Migration, um, which was between 1915 and 1970. Um, millions of people, um, you know, migrated from the South to the North. So Isabel Wilkerson knew um, how to frame this. And she tells the story of three different lives, three different people, and follows their paths. And in so doing, you get a sense of the different uh, directions people could go. There's a woman who leaves Mississippi for Chicago. There's um, a man who leaves Florida for Harlem and a man who leaves Louisiana for California. And he becomes a doctor. And apparently he was Ray Charles's doctor. Anyway, just a fun fact. What um, is a fun fact? Th- the title comes from a Richard Wright poem, which I'll loop back to Richard Wright in a moment for my last pick. But I read that Shonda Rhimes is adapting this for TV. Really? Yes. The Master. It's going to be a Shondaland situation. When is this? When, when is this I have no idea. Okay. I don't know. But okay. I have no doubt that in the very capable hands of it's Shonda be amazing. Rhimes, it's going to be absolutely yeah. amazing. Totally. And there's so much to work with. Like, is she going to follow these three stories or is she going to take some of the context and and make up a new one or um anyway i can't i cannot wait i totally want to read this before this happened before it it is a it it tells the story not just of the great migration but the story of black people in america um how poverty is uh and racism are it's not something um that you just kind of get over in one generation Uh, slavery and poverty and racism, how it still affects people now. So again, uh, The Warmth of Other Suns, it's a great, I I like to tell people that and Rising Tide by John Barry, those two books tell the story of Mississippi better than anything else. So um, those are my go-tos for um, historical Mississippi South kind of content. 
I want to look into both of those. I'm really interested. So what is your last pick, oh, Shelly? I have saved it for last because it is going to be, it's the hardest for me to talk about hmm. because I loved it so much. I just, let me, let me try to make words come out. Um, okay, it is Call Us What We Carry by Amanda Gorman. Amanda Gorman was the presidential inaugural poet for President Biden. She read The Hill We Climb. And that was, that was a sensation. Yes, she pretty much overshadowed everyone and and I know it's not about this but wasn't she also wearing like a gorgeous yellow coat yes she just <laughs> emanated light. she did it was it was a spectacle it, it was, was like oh what is this almost yeah. that's almost what everyone's talked about right and right now she is 23 years old that's amazing and so she just makes us all look like losers and <laughs> It gets worse because now she has put out this book. It came out December of 2021. Sorry. It is a collection of poems that does include The Hill We Climb. I listened to it on audio, and it's read by the author who, you know, no one can read her, her poetry like she can read it. Then I got um, a print copy of the book, and I started reading the poems on my own. And they're great either way. They're wonderful and beautiful if she reads them. And they're amazing if you read them from the book itself. She mainly focuses on the human experience during the COVID pandemic. But then she also talks about immigration issues, racial tensions in America, the poems. I call it the book because she writes like her, she has poems, but she also, the poems are very strange sometimes because they're written in different kinds of styles and shapes. And like she has one poem that's shaped like a whale and she has one poem about wearing facial mask and it's shaped like a mask and it's just amazing. Um, it's very hard to read because it's so true to what we've experienced. I had to stop reading it many times because it hit me exactly how I felt. She, I just want to read the dedication. There's a couple things I want to read. Um, the dedication is for all of us, both hurting and healing, who choose to carry on. Well, that's, that's a really good dedication. I know. I know. Let me just read one. Well, that there's two, but they're both short. A virus is fought inside of us while violence is fought among us. In both, our triumph is not in conquering others, but conquering the most destructive agents and instincts that we carry within our mortal forms. 
Hate is a virus. A virus demands a body. What we mean is hate only survives when hosted in humans. If we are to give it anything, let it be our sorrow and never our skin. To love just may be the fight of our lives. And she's 23. She's 23. Now, the second part of the book, she focuses on um, a lot about the racial tensions and the, um, the killing of George Floyd mm-hmm. um, that happened in 2020. She has a poem that stopped me in my tracks. It's called Roses. Roses are red, violence is blue. We're sick of dying. How about you? Wow. That's just a small portion. Violence is blue. That is, that's something. I can't say anything else. I mean, I'm telling you, I've had so much trouble putting into words how I feel about this book. And I don't even like poetry. Well, I was going, I was going to say, I have not, I don't, I can't remember another poet that you have ever. um, I don't, I, I, I am not a poetry person. Well, I'm glad that you're ending your picks with poetry because I am as well. And again, it's just uh, lines up this way. Um, I mentioned that um, the line, the warmth of other suns is from a Richard Wright poem that's in um, Black Boy. But in the last 18 months of Richard Wright's life, he discovered haiku and he became super obsessed with writing haiku. And he wrote 4,000 of them. Wow. Uh, His 817 favorites are in this collection called Haiku. And uh, his daughter said that they were self-developed antidotes against illness. And that the shortness of the syllables mirrored the shortness of his breath as he was very ill when he was writing all of these. And so I, I would like to read a couple of them. Obviously, they're very short and will take no time. What will these moths do when the bright street lamps wink out and summer rain falls? A night of spring stars, waves breaking beyond the wall have a dark blue sound. There's 17 syllables, and he's just cramming all this stuff in. And I love the idea. I I mean, I don't want anyone to be, you know, obsessed with anything. But if you're going to be obsessed with something, absolutely write 4,000 haiku uh, in the 18 months, the last months of your life. You know, Richard Wright is a, he's a funny one, you know, born here in Mississippi, and then he lived most of his life in France, in Paris. But I'd these poems don't sound like Paris to me. No, um, they no, they, they sound mm. more rural to me mm-hmm. than than um, so like he's talking about mountains and you know the sky and dogs barking and the moon and anyway they're really beautiful and really um, well if you're looking to zip through a book um, it's a haiku will do it for you. So that that was my last pick. I also wanted to f- just shout out um, I think in our wrap-up of 2021 books, I mentioned there's a a whole bunch of new debut black female authors Mm -hmm. 
Donnie Wilson, um, The Final Revival of Opal and Nev, and Liberty by Caitlin Greenidge, loved it. And then Yagi Yasi, Can Do No Wrong. I loved Homegoing, loved mm. Transcendent Kingdom. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to, I wanted to throw some other names out there, even I though we focused. Homegoing. Homegoing, oh, man. Loved it. That is, it was loved so good. It. Well, thanks for talking about black, your favorite black authors of mm-hmm. this moment. I mean, this could change. You, I like that you're in the middle of reading some of your picks and that you've just read some others. Uh, but it's clear you were really moved by all of these. I guess I'm into lyrical stuff and poetry. Maybe it's just a phase, Who but I'm going to enjoy I? it. I'm what gonna, has happened to me? I'm going to enjoy your lyrical phase as <laughs> long as it lasts. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time, and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.